listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Monday, Mental Health Monday. We'll check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It is Mental Health Monday. Time to check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. Good to be with you all. Happy Mental Health Monday, February Mm -hmm. 22nd. Continuing our series on intimacy today. And uh, Mm -hmm. where are we going today? So today we want to talk about roadblocks to intimacy. Last time we talked about growing in intimacy. We talked a little bit about personality and intimacy, but especially that place where God meets us, how our intimacy is always built off of the intimacy that God brings into our lives. And that's, I think, a really good place to start again, to know that any intimacy that we have comes from that first intimacy that we're given. And the Father, Son, and Spirit are the the intimate partners within themselves. And so I think that we want to talk about the concept of vulnerability today in particular, and then we're going to talk about some shields that we use to protect ourselves from vulnerability. And and let's talk about why vulnerability is so uncomfortable and why me saying that word over and over again is about equated to me saying the word intimacy over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) That's not fun or comfortable for anyone, but they're such good words when we dive into what they mean. They're really the meat of relationship with God and one another. And that is the meat and heart of hope and faith and all that we've been given in Christ. And so we're going to, we're going to talk about those roadblocks, those shields we put up, and then how God has given us tools to meet those things in one another. And so let's start with a vulnerability timeline, if you will. And I think this is really important Um, whenever I talk about the concepts of brokenness and restoration in particular, I talk about this vulnerability timeline and and a broken and a brokenness and restoration timeline. Um, But I think we forget those meat and potatoes of how we were created. So we want to dial back to creation, then we're going to go into redemption, and then we'll move forward into restoration a little bit. Uh, So if we dial back, we were created vulnerable. And I think this is a concept that many can agree on, but there's always a person in the back, right? With their hand up saying, wait, (laughs) but aren't we created in perfection? And the Garden of Eden was in perfection. True story. Uh, However, if we are to believe Colossians in particular, and if we're to believe scripture, we are little and God is big. So we were always vulnerable before God, and that is a gift that we are his treasured people, that that he loves us, that he cared enough to create this thing that's smaller than he is, that needs him. So we were in need of God in the garden. It's not that our need uh, for God was ever irrelevant. Uh, He didn't create us to be fiercely independent individuals as much as I would love to believe that. Uh, Instead, we were created in vulnerability. And so by that, we understand that there is a perfection of vulnerability that exists between us and God. And that's the goal then. That's what we want to return to in restoration. And that's the goal. The whole point of Christ's coming is to forgive our sins. But forgiving our sins gets us to that level of vulnerability with God again and gets us to be able to meet with him again, if you will, 
in the garden to be together and to song of Solomon says in the vineyard, you know, we get to meet with him and that's such a cool, awesome point, like direct point toward the communion table and the feast of victory and all of those things we believe in. So first, very important that we are created in vulnerability. Now, brokenness and sin came in. So we enter into Genesis 3 right away, right after Genesis 2 and my favorite verse, the man and wife were naked and unashamed in their vulnerability, it might as well say, even though I'm not adding to scripture, do not worry. Then we go to Genesis 3 and it immediately, there's the presence of Satan, there's questions, there's uh, uh, poking at all of our deepest vulnerabilities in order to weaponize them against us. And that's Satan's gig. And so when the brokenness comes in and um, our vulnerability becomes scary. So what I like to think about is when brokenness comes in, there's really just this awareness of vulnerability that we didn't have before. I think in the garden, we existed in vulnerability and it was like just the way it was and it was beautiful and awesome. And then Sin comes in and suddenly we see that we're naked and we see that we feel like we need clothes. And then what was Adam and Eve's response? Hiding instead of leaning into that vulnerability. And so they, you know, sewed their own clothes and they put them on and they shielded right away. Right. And so vulnerability is scary at this point because we know we're, we're not enough. We know that we're completely imperfect. We're sinful. There's blackness and all of that stuff. So you see how vulnerability changes then in sin. And that's how we exist now to some degree. Brokenness is all around us and inside of us. And so vulnerability is going to be scary. However, Jesus comes, redemption comes. Jesus becomes vulnerable to the world by entering in as a human being, even while he maintains his divinity. So he's not quite vulnerable in the same way. But remember that Hebrews tells us that he, uh, we have a great high priest who understands our weaknesses. That has to do with Jesus's vulnerability on this earth, on this planet and being willing. So Jesus enters and same thing in Genesis three, God comes to Adam and Eve and says, where are you? What's going on? You know, let's talk about this. And so God, his vulnerability that he doesn't even need to have because he's not vulnerable is always a part of our redemption story. And that's a beautiful thing to me. So God doesn't shield and he doesn't need to shield. Instead, he enters in when we are not capable. And so Jesus leans in. He redeems us so that vulnerability is possible again. The vulnerability being possible means I get to have a relationship with God that was not possible before. It's a lot less scary to walk around the world with Jesus. It's a lot less scary to walk around the world knowing I'm a redeemed child of God. And so that makes vulnerability way more possible as a believer in Christ. I should have way more compassion for the people around me who don't know Jesus because they don't have that benefit. And so I can be the person who leans in a little bit more because I have Jesus. Um, and then Jesus gives us more. He gives us the spirit, the helper, which makes vulnerability even less scary. The God of the universe lives inside of me instead of being far off, someone I need to come to. And so the vulnerability gets less scary and less scary. It's like layers, pieces of my struggle being you know, wiped away, torn off by Jesus. And so then I want everyone to also understand that eventually our vulnerability will be restored completely. That's, that's what we're waiting for. That's what we hope in is that not only 
Well, we have heaven one day. We will have restoration completely. And there'll be a new heavens and a new earth where we'll be back to that uh, perfect vulnerability that we were created in with God. And so that changes the shape of intimacy. If I believe that I was created vulnerable, that's not a weakness it's going to look a lot different for me. I'm going to be a lot more capable of being vulnerable in my relationships and addressing my stuff in order to be more vulnerable because I understand that that is part of my created being and not something that sin has given to me. Simply the awareness is different. The scariness is different with, with sin. So the question I had for Andy and Sarah is, you know, where do you see vulnerability and where do you see some of this like creation, brokenness and restoration of vulnerability in scripture, whether it's a a, a narrative, someone's story in scripture, or whether it's a, a verse that comes to mind when I was saying all of that. Mm -hmm. I think what, what comes to mind when we were talking about all of that is all of the people throughout the New Testament who approached Jesus for healing. Um, there was this great uh, acknowledgement of vulnerability and, and the need to to need something from, mm -hmm. from Jesus and approaching him and then being healed and restored and maybe taking this too literally. Um, but that, that was kind of the, 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 the arc, um, that, that seems to be similar across all of these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. It is literal. I mean, there are stories in scripture <laughs> that God put there for a reason so we can see it. You know, we can see it really clearly. And I think when we have a little bit more language for this, like you said, like that vulnerability, yes, there's a need in that, but we've always been in need of God. And that's exactly, exactly where we want to be. So I appreciate that one. How about you, Andy? Well, since Sarah said all the people, that really leaves <laughs> nothing bummer uh, for you. I said New Testament. Right. All the people in the New Testament um, who came to Jesus for healing. Uh, yeah, I was thinking. You get the Old the Testament. <laughs> Noah. Um, uh, let's see. Um, I actually, I was thinking along the lines of the centurion who, who, oh. um, who says, what, just say the word. You don't even have to come to my house to heal. Mm. The, uh, you can just uh, simply just say the word and, and he'll be healed. So that, that was the first one that came to mind, but mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. let's see brokenness and sin. Yeah. Anybody in the old Testament, but mm -hmm. thinking of, you know, how that's <laughs> anybody, but thinking of uh, going back to what uh, Genesis Noah, um, he was, he was righteous before God, but yet he still, um, he still sinned. I mean, mm -hmm. what did he do when he got off the ark? Uh, he did, he made an altar, but he also drank a lot of wine <laughs> too much, right? Too yeah. much, <laughs> too much. Mm -hmm. And then, mm -hmm. uh, then other things ensued. So, mm -hmm. um, certainly brokenness and, and, and sin and yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll no, stop. that's good. No, it's so good. You know, I, I think of especially the stories that I have the hardest time with when I hear the narratives in the scripture readings in church, and maybe it's especially one we're not dealing with that day in the sermon message. And I'm left with like, Hmm, I don't know if I feel very comfortable with this one. And I haven't been able to sort it out. Um, particularly the, the woman who comes to Jesus and she asks for help. And he says like, you know, that you're not one of Israel. And she says, but mm -hmm. even the dogs get to eat the master's crumbs from the mm -hmm. table. That that is such uh, earlier for so many years, I was just angry about that verse and that how could Jesus respond to her like that? And now it's such a tender message for me 
that God allows her to have the conversation, to be empowered, to say, I have a place here. I have a space here, Jesus. And I know that you believe that too. Whoa. Like that gave me a totally new picture of who God is for us in our vulnerability. And, you know, you think of so many stories and maybe it's because I'm a woman, I relate to so many of the women and how vulnerable they are in scripture. I do too. <laughs> right. Okay. And I, and, and I'm, I'm hmm. what I like to call a recovering feminist. Like this is important to me that women are strong and independent and capable and all that good stuff. But I do think there is a place of lessons to be learned in the brokenness of vulnerability that uh, if we can find the places where men in scripture are vulnerable, this will even this out a little bit for us. And it will do some of the work of equality too. It will help us to see that we were all created vulnerable. Uh, and that is something that God cares about, uh, that he wants to enter in and I, I don't know. I just think it's really complicated, but I do think that God has some messages in that for our like current cultural struggles, just like he does for everything else. So, um, so I would lean in, lean in if, if you will, dear listener to the men in scripture and how they've been vulnerable, how God has, uh, met them in their brokenness and restored that. And I think we'll see a little clearer, the picture of who God is caring for. Uh, it's, it's not just women being vulnerable. It's not just children being vulnerable. So, all right. That's right. It's my a, little like the, the story of, of Joseph. Um, mm. and I mean, that's vulnerability right there. have no Actually, idea what's going to be happening. Yeah. yeah. Think about Paul who, I mean, in all, almost every, well, to some degree, every apostle, right. Gave their life. Martyrdom is vulnerability. And so I do think that, but there's courage in vulnerability in a scary, broken world. And God meets us in that. And he says to Joshua, I I'm going to be with you when you go into that promised land. Don't don't fear because I'm going to be holding your hand when we go do this. And that's how God meets us too. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Is this a good breaking point? It is. Let's come All back right. and we'll All do right. shields when we get back. <laughs> shields. Very good. You're listening to the coffee hour it is mental health Monday. We're talking about roadblocks to intimacy. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Missouri Army National Guard can help you get the education you need to land the career you've always wanted. The Guard will pay up to 100% of your tuition for up to 39 credit hours per academic year at 90 colleges and tech schools across the state. You're eligible as soon as you enlist. Learn more about the many benefits that come with serving part-time in the Missouri Army National Guard. Visit NationalGuard.com today. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association and this station. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. 
Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We're talking roadblocks to intimacy with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. And uh, so we, we had some great biblical examples of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. uh, where would you like to go from here, Heidi? Yeah, let's go a little bit more into the secular uh, psychological and sociological science. And then we're going to meet those things with scripture as our, you know, we want it as our foundation, which we just did. And then we want it on our return that scripture is answering these things that we hear from the world and we can double check them. Um, so Brene Brown, I think, most of creation would agree is the vulnerability and shame expert. And so just has done the most research in that field. And so the one thing that she writes about in uh, her text, and you can find it in um, the gifts of imperfection, as well as daring greatly and even dare to lead. So this is like a very common theme throughout anything that is researched on vulnerability and shame. And so we all have shields and there's some common ones that we use to protect ourselves from vulnerability in this world. And so the three main ones are foreboding joy, perfectionism, and numbing. So those are the three main ones that you see. This is researched reality. This isn't you know, somebody like just plugging away to like make up some ideas. And so I think that's really important. We're talking about thousands of participants over many years. And so I think there's some validity here that is really helpful for us. There's also some less frequent ones, which we'll do in just a second. But let's talk about foreboding joy is that thing we do when we're scared that joy is going to be taken. So we're always looking for the other shoe to drop, if you will. Uh, she gives an example in Daring Greatly of having a great date night with her husband and going out and feeling refreshed and renewed and then coming back to, you know, talking to her kids. And at the front door, she's stricken with anxiety and wondering what could have happened to them while she was gone. And she's she's no longer enjoying this extremely joy-filled moment because she's foreboding it or she's putting something into the joy that is going to be counteractive uh, because the joy is vulnerable, you guys. We often think of being vulnerable in, you know, battle. If we're uh, fighting against something, we think of being vulnerable uh, against an enemy like David and Goliath or our boss at work, whatever. But the reality is the most vulnerable things in life are love, joy, peace, all those things <laughs> that we know are from the spirit. And that's, I think, quite remarkable. I think that is because Satan pokes, right? Like, again, what happened in the garden, that awareness of vulnerability, Satan weaponized. And that's exactly what happens. Our awareness that joy exists in our life and God has given it to us and it is unchanging in Christ. And when we have that moment where we can perceive it, like really perceive it and be in the sense of it. Satan's like, oh, wait a minute here. I'm going to utilize that. And so we want to just be aware of that so we are not foreboding it. We, we want to stand in that joy a little bit longer and say, oh, wait, you're not going to have this. You know, this shirt's like, not today, Satan. I'm yes. going to enjoy this joy <laughs> for a minute. So that's what foreboding joy is. Perfectionism, another thing. Uh, we, especially in our current culture, love to use it in the same way we throw around like introvert and extrovert, which we've talked a lot about on here. Um, oh, I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> well, I mean, I have lived that life. Don't get me wrong. It, it's not a good life. It's not the best life. It's not the life that we were meant to live. 
in vulnerability is probably the best way to say it. Um, we are not perfect. And trying to strive for that is taking away from Jesus who he is. Because you know what? I would rather have Jesus than perfect any day. I want Jesus' brand of perfect inside of me rather than my own breed. And so perfectionism is really another breed of works righteousness. And I would say when you struggle with it, I get it. I get it. So please hear this from a non-judgmental stance. Uh, it's time to get some help for that. It, it's interfering with our ability to lean into our relationships and be vulnerable. Uh, and so that's a, a topic we could go into at length, you know, on another series. Uh, the third one is numbing. And numbing is when we utilize things so that we don't have to feel. And you cannot numb selectively. And we want to all the time. Like I want to take a drink of alcohol and drink too much similar to Noah so that I don't have to feel pain. But the problem is that it also dulls happiness and it dulls my sense of contentment. You cannot selectively numb. Uh, same thing. I shop and I buy something new for a moment so I don't have to deal with that welling up of of awareness of my vulnerability because I just had an interaction that made me uncomfortable. So numbing is the third thing that we do. And we universally numb is one thing that the research has shown us. We just have our own breeds of numbing, whether that's scrolling on our phone, whether that's, um, you know, some kind of substance use, whether that's something we do in relationships to numb ourselves. So those are the main ones. There's a few less frequent ones that I'm not going to go through just because of time, but a couple are Viking or victim, uh, oversharing, which yep. they call the smash and grab, right? Like, here's my drama, take it. And that's not real vulnerability. Um, again, that's a really great topic for another series. Uh, cynicism or Brene Brown also calls it cool, like that idea that we're so cool, we don't need to be vulnerable. That is definitely a place where we are uh, putting a shield up. And then there's another thing called seropatining, which is just basically avoidance when we're trying to run around like a chicken with our head cut off so that we don't have to deal with the vulnerability. Also, the god of busyness if you will. Um, if I sign myself up and my kids up for enough things, then I never have to look or sit in this place that's a little uncomfortable and become, and then you can see our intimate relationships suffer with that, correct? You mm -hmm. see our intimate relationships not get fed in the way they need when we are serving the God of busyness or avoiding uh, the vulnerability. So those are the shields. Um, and again, I think we should probably do a series on this because we could sit there forever. Yes. But if you want more, Google it <laughs> or, uh, you know, check out Brene Brown's books. What I'd like to bring up is how God, I think not ironically, like God knows all these things that will be revealed in science, right? So instead he gives us the shield of faith. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 is a perfect place to go when we struggle with vulnerability. It's a perfect place to go when we need to lean in um, and know that his grace is what meets vulnerability. God has given us grace upon grace, grace and more grace. There's so much grace. And that's exactly the antidote for our struggle with vulnerability. So if I'm vulnerable with you as a friend and you drop it, right, you're not vulnerable with me. I still have God's grace available to me. 
And so I think it's also helpful for Christians to understand that God doesn't leave us invulnerable or doesn't leave us completely vulnerable in this broken world. Instead, we are left vulnerable before him, which is a better place to be. He gives us the sword of the spirit. He gives us a full armor of God. So we do not have to put on the world's armors. We can take them off one at a time. And I'm currently working on a thing where, you know, we're kind of matching up some of the armors that God gives us, some of those pieces of armors with the stuff we like to put on to shield and protect ourselves. So again, it's in Ephesians. Go to Ephesians if you have questions about relationships. It's such a good book for that. Um, And know that it is a spiritual battle. Vulnerability will be a spiritual battle, right? Because Mm -hmm. Satan is very clear on where he stands with messing with us. God is clearer. And he will always be there for us. So uh, we have no time at all. The question, <laughs> the question is about the strength of God and how you've seen that strength of God work in relationships. Because really, that is the armor is God's strength in us, right? It will never be our own. We just lean in and we offer ourselves through Christ, which means there's going to be some boundaries in this world because it is broken and messed up. Um, so I don't know, do you guys have any questions or you want to say something about the strength of God? I was just thinking, uh, it's, it's, um, in marriage, it's very easy to see how these things work, uh, because that is a very intimate relationship. Um, you know, you have all these vulnerabilities that happen and I feel called out by all of those vulnerabilities. <laughs> I I <laughs> recognize every single one of them, <laughs> but, but also seeing, loud. Sorry, <laughs> but also seeing, um, seeing how uh, the strength of God and that grace uh, taking a step back from vulnerability and, mm-hmm. and seeing uh, God's grace working within that relationship and allowing that grace to be there is, is so incredibly important. It really is. And Brene Brown says that the antidote to shame is vulnerability. And I would counter that that is true, but the actual antidote is grace. So mm-hmm. when we have a hard time, when we, when we see ourselves in those mirrors of shields, Grace is what we're looking for first to get to the vulnerability. We will never get to the vulnerability without the grace. Uh, We're just not capable in a broken world. I think that the past year has certainly been a year that has increased that foreboding joy, like trying, mm, trying no, to amen. something and you're like, oh, wait, I can't be Preach too happy it. about this because I know something terrible. COVID will ruin it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I could totally mm-hmm. identify with that as you were sharing that story. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. Well, we'll do one more piece on intimacy. No, we're moving on, I think, next week. So we'll move on to a new developmental phase next week when we meet. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.